You are listening to The Secrets of Disney on sqpn.com, the StarQuest production network, leading the way. This episode is brought to you by Bluehost. Create your own website or blog with a .com domain name for just $6.95 per month. Go to sqpn.com and click on the Bluehost banner for more information. And by the Amazon Store. Shop at Amazon by clicking on our Amazon link at sqpn.com and your purchase will help support our show. Ladies and gentlemen. What's there, Mama? 10,000 years will give you such a crick in the neck. How do you do? How do you do what? Show me the smile. If you can't say something nice, don't say nothing at all. Very nice. You can sit by me. Everything's so wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, get up. Come on, get up. Where are we going? Up to Neverland. You must kiss me. Excuse me? Please, princess. One kiss. Unless you beg for more. Welcome back to The Secrets of Disney. We continue our analysis of the classic Disney movie Pinocchio. And in part two, we talk about the story itself and about the the inspiration to the story, the symbolic elements, the, the deeper layers, the hidden layers. This show is called The Secrets of Disney. And when we talk about secrets, uh, we mean that, basically. It's all these layers in the story that you might not perceive when you first watch the movie not even when you watch it the second time but if you start to think about it and uh, perhaps even by listening to this podcast and by by discussing it um, you might discover many more layers and and many more symbolism than you th- than you uh, originally thought w- were there and and hopefully that will um, increase your enjoyment of the movie I definitely went back several times in preparation for this uh, podcast episode uh, in order to analyze the movie and I was surprised to see how much was in there and what I propose is that we just go over the movie um, in chronological order bit by bit and that we talk a little bit about what happens and what it could mean Uh, well let's begin at the beginning Uh, we uh, have the opening shot and again this is uh, uh, has become uh, almost uh, obligatory for all Disney movies um, it tells the st- it tells a fairy tale. So uh, the, you, we see the the books in the background. Um, the open- is there is there actually is the story read from a book? I don't remember that now. Well, I- Jiminy Cricket, you know, opens the. Oh, no. Jiminy Cricket well, opens it. Does it does start yeah. with Jiminy Cricket opens the the um, story by yeah. going into a live action book and and turning the pages yeah, and that's true. Yeah. And I believe he does start reading from the book. I you know I'm blanking on this people well, send me evil no i think no i think that you're right you're right the, yeah. the difference with the other disney movies is that we have immediately we have a character who talks to us which is also new uh, Cr- jiminy cricket talks directly to the camera so he breaks what they call the fourth wall which is this idea of you know a, like a stage and the, there there should be an invisible wall between what happens on the stage and the audience and if you if you talk directly to the audience, then all of a sudden you're not watching a story anymore, but you know you're in the story. And so Jiminy Cricket does this, which is I think at the time it's quite revolutionary that an animated character starts talking starts talking to the audience. And so he introduces us into the story of of uh, of Pinocchio. Uh, so that in in that respect, it does follow the tradition of the Disney movies. What what struck me while pausing uh, the frames was that in the background you see a lot of other fairy tales 
And uh, there are two fairy tales there that I was like, wow, this is almost a premonition of what's to come. You see Alice in Wonderland and Peter Pan. They're already in Pinocchio, <laughs> even though these two movies would be made many, many years later. Uh, but I thought it was very, very cool, almost like a, like a hidden uh, an Easter egg <laughs> hidden right. by, by Disney. But it, I it, think it, it, even back then, I think he was already thinking of doing it. I guess so. I guess so. And, and Peter Pan took a long time to, to come. I think it came out in like 53 or something like that. <laughs> but, uh, he was already looking ahead, you know. Yeah, he's uh, definitely forward-thinking. Now, we see um, Geppetto in his store, and he's working on uh, on Pinocchio. Uh, Pinocchio's almost finished. The only thing that he doesn't have is a mouth. Uh, and so Geppetto paints a mouth on, on the puppet and and so symbolically gives Pinocchio his voice. Um, then we've got uh, the Figaro and Cleo. Um, not much to say about that. I don't think it's very symbolic. Well, cat and fish, two opposites, but uh, hmm. a bit of rivalry in there, a bit of jealousy. Geppetto seems like a lonely fellow, though, and it's almost as if he has created all these toys around him to keep him company because he's he's alone. We never see that he's married or that he was. Um, and so Pinocchio is a little bit like a... Uh, the kid he he always wanted to have probably or, or symbolic of the family that he misses i don't know um the um uh the 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 whole entourage of of his store um uh suddenly just just made me think of uh, uh a totally a, a totally different movie it was like i wouldn't be surprised if if they took that from pinocchio i'm talking about the opening sequence of back to the future remember that oh yeah the clocks where it yes. starts with all these clocks and tick tock tick tock and you see all these different mechanical thingies and it starts to all of a sudden it's it starts to work and there's this very elaborate machine that drops dog food in a, on a big pile and and then I was like uh, they must have taken this from Pinocchio and I was like well in a way Doc Brown is almost like Geppetto it's a very similar guy you know and then Marty Marty could be Pinocchio he's the boy that always gets into trouble <laughs> trying to learn how to be a man yeah yeah <laughs> I'm not chicken <laughs> so I don't know it's 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 almost like Back to the Future is a modern day uh, retelling of of Pinocchio in some in some respects anyway it might be totally uh unfounded but it definitely uh rang a bell there when i saw oh, those uh, all those uh, clocks then on uh, Figaro's little bed, the cat has a, uh, you know, there's a carving of a cat guardian angel. <laughs> and uh, that too must be kind of from the Italian inspiration, of course, where guardian angels are very important to uh, Italian kids. But it was funny that they even have cats, you know, playing the role of guardian angels. <laughs> and then um, another thing that struck me, next to Geppetto's bed, there's a candle with a face. And I'm like, huh. Beauty and the Beast. There's again. It's almost like a premonition of uh, of something that that Disney would take or the animators would uh, reuse later on in uh, in Beauty and the Beast. Um, so the, the 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 candle with the face uh, is is already in in Pinocchio. All those details, the clocks and the and the the faces that are on the um, are everywhere was actually done by one animator. Oh, really? Believe it or not, yes, yeah. it was. 
Um, uh. And that was his job to kind of, it's almost like he, he took a scene and made it a little more detail oriented by oh. putting all these faces in there. It's almost like uh, a set dresser uh, then. Uh, like yeah, a, a, a set dresser. Yeah, that's what cool. That, that, I think that was Albert Herder, wasn't it? Yeah, that's, I couldn't remember his name, but that sounds familiar. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Now then, of course, you've got we've got the uh, the wishing star that appears, and Geppetto kneels at his bed and and prays or or, or makes a wish, and then um, uh, Jiminy Cricket can't sleep after that. Uh, Geppetto has, has gone to bed, but Jiminy Cricket cannot sleep, and at one point he gets up and he literally stops time. He he halts the clock and then just time slows down, and that is when the miracle happens. And I think that is on purpose because it it, it kind of indicates story-wise that what is about to happen transcends time. This is beyond the natural realm. What what this miracle is is beyond our natural universe, and so it's, it's beyond time in a way. Um, it's a timeless story, you could say. Also, there are lots. Of, I think there's lots of symbolism in there when, when he stops time. This story is not just an old story. It's a story for 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 everyone for every. For every time, for every age, and then uh, the fairy um, appears and rewards Geppetto's efforts to um, because we learn that Geppetto has always worked to make other people happy. He's he's a, a very virtuous man. He his his life is perhaps that's why he doesn't have a family. He's almost like a celibate, uh, uh, like like a, what a priest, you know. He's, he's he always wants to help other people, and uh, and he. As a, as a reward for, for those efforts to make other people happy, the gift of life is given to Pinocchio. And so Pinocchio can suddenly move and he can talk. But he's not a real boy yet. Uh, and that's what I like so much about uh, this story of Pinocchio. The, the message here is in order to become a real boy, it's not enough to be able to move, to talk, to walk. But what defines true human life what defines a real boy are virtues. It's, it's, it's defined by living a virtuous life. And that is to, and the, the fairy spells it out. It's to be brave, to be truthful, and to be unselfish. And later on in the story, we'll, we'll learn that, that once Pinocchio uh, rejects those virtues, that's when he becomes a slave again. That's when he basically becomes a puppet again. And once he acquires those virtues and and puts them into practice that is the moment that he becomes a real boy um, and I think it's a beautiful message um, you know human life is is about living a virtuous life it's, it's it's living for other people and not for yourself just as Geppetto lived not for himself but always lived and worked to make other people happy and then of course the question the big question is how do you know what to do in, in specific situations? I mean, these virtues are beautiful, but what do you do in very specific, concrete situations? Um, that is where Pinocchio will have to learn to choose between right and wrong. And uh, another very important message of this movie is that you have a conscience that will tell you the difference between right and wrong. And the brilliant uh, element in, in the story of Pinocchio is that that conscience is not just this internal voice you know uh, but it is it becomes a character and it's it's Jiminy Cricket um, it, it's it's tiny 
it's small, just as your conscience is kind of small, and you can choose to ignore it. It's it's not you know, like imposing itself, um, but it's always there, and it always kind of whispers and tells you what to do and what not to do. And it's actually. Uh, Oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say with Jiminy Cricket, and this is because I teach psychology, you know, all the time. Mm-hmm. With with him, when I, it's almost Freudian in a sense because we have Jiminy Cricket, who's like the super ego, and then we have you know all of these cast of characters who are the id, which are the you know that that childish impulse that we have to do what we want to do and to do what makes us happy at the time without any care for mm-hmm. you know anybody else, and then. Pinocchio is that ego that goes like, what's the right answer? What am I supposed to be doing? Mm-hmm. So, uh, you yeah, well, that was my psychological yeah. take on that. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's a question that we all have to ask ourselves all the time. It's like, what do I do and what do I choose? Do I choose for myself or do I choose, you know, the right thing? And and we need our conscience to inform us and to tell us that. And uh, it's not something that we that we do automatically well, uh, which is uh, proven by the rest of the story. Now, what I like is that um, the, Jiminy Cricket is given a choice as well. You know, he's asked, do you want to be uh, Pinocchio's conscience? Because that's quite a responsibility. Uh, and, you know, the, and I think even that uh, Jiminy Cricket uh, explains to Pinocchio, Pinocchio is like, what is a conscience? And then <laughs> Jiminy Cricket says, well, conscience, that's a voice that no one listens to. So he already knows that it's not going to be easy. I really like that. It's very, it's very realistic in a way. And it's, he's, he's, uh, he, he definitely knows what he's getting into. And then he accepts to be Pinocchio's conscience. He's knighted by the fairy. Um, he's called the Lord of the Lord High Keeper of the knowledge between right and wrong, counselor in moments of temptation, and guide along the straight and narrow path. Now that too is a, is a direct uh, biblical uh, uh, reference, refers to Matthew seven, uh, where where Jesus talks about uh, you know how do you walk in life? Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road is broad that leads to destruction, and those who enter through it are many. How narrow is the gate and constricted the road that leads to life, and those who find it are few. And it it becomes Jiminy Cricket's task to lead uh, Pinocchio on the narrow path, which is really going to be difficult (laughs) and so the fairy's advice is be a good boy and always let your conscience be your guide now there's another symbolic moment that happens there jiminy cricket starts his first moral lesson and it becomes really almost scholarly Uh, he's just sitting down and he he explains to pinocchio uh what temptations are uh you know and uh, again brilliant definition Uh, of temptation by Jiminy Cricket. Uh, Temptations, they are the wrong things that seem right at the time. I mean, that's brilliant. That could be in a book about ethics. It's so fantastic. (laughs) They are the wrong things that seem right at the time. If you follow a temptation, it is because you think it's the right thing, even though in in hindsight or if you step back you would see that it's actually the wrong thing but 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 you when we make choices even if we make bad choices it's always because we perceive a certain good and that that is why we pursue it nobody is evil just because people are evil we always do it because we think that there's some good in there even though that good might not be the ultimate good and it actually may, might be something wrong in, in the bigger picture and so and while he is teaching that to this very naive Pinocchio who has probably hasn't got a clue what he's talking about. Jiminy Cricket is sitting on a matchbox. 
I thought it was so funny. It's it's like a symbol of you know Lucifer, the first uh, the carrier of light who turned into Satan because he, well, he basically <laughs> turned away from God. It's like this can't be a coincidence that he's sitting on a matchbox because it's a symbol of of you know the danger of fire, and uh, and Pinocchio is by the way fascinated by fire, um, sets himself on fire in the in the same sequence. And again, I think it's all already. It's it's referring to this. Um, Pinocchio is very vulnerable to temptation, and he can uh, set himself on fire literally by by doing the wrong thing. Um, so it, it, Pinocchio is 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 very. Uh, his basic intention is good. He's a he's a very nice boy, but he's not yet been tested. There has not been any temptation. So a lot of the things that that Jiminy Cricket is tell, are telling him, uh, it's just theory, and he has no real reference to to see what 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 this will mean in in uh, in in reality in real life and th- that's when uh jiminy cricket sings this uh, song give a little whistle um repeats kind of in a song this moral premise you know when you need to know the difference between wrong and right when you walk the n- when walking the narrow path becomes difficult just ask your conscience that's what the song says basically mm-hmm. yeah um and then uh the, the very nice Sequence is when Pinocchio keeps asking why. I mean, (laughs) that's so typical for kids. Also, why, why, and you get an answer. Why? I love that. (laughs) Because, yeah, yeah, because, (laughs) because I said so. But but Um, go ask your dad. Oh, go ask your mom. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Um, I wanted to bring up something at this point. Well, Mm -hmm. this is a good place to put this in there because we're going to talk about him going to school yeah and i and um for for those of you who are don't know anything about me i teach sociology and psychology to college Mm -hmm. and so this is one of the things that i i I talk about is that according to sociological data that's that's coming out in the united states the way that boys are um in education the future of boys in education is really in jeopardy what they're finding out is that um yeah, women, a lot of women are going to college, but a lot more women are going than men. And a lot more women are graduating from high school than men. Oh, really? You know, if, oh, yeah. Like, um, I, I believe that it was like for every, um, oh, for every 86 men that are, for every 100 women that go to college, 86 men go to college. Huh. And it's, there are some some other things that are happening within teenage years and within early adolescence for boys that's starting to become alarming. Um, you know, uh, men are men tend are young men are tending not to. They're less likely to be valedictorians, so to be on the honor roll, to be active in organizations like student government. Young men are more likely to get D's and F's, or to be suspended or expelled from school, or drop out of school, and. Mm. For every 100, and this is a really dark mm-hmm. statistic, for every 100 women that commit suicide, over 500 men commit suicide. Really? Wow. Yes. I had no yeah. idea. Yeah. It's it's a pretty stark. And then for every, and this is a, a U.S. statistic, but mm-hmm. for every 100 women, it, adult women in a correctional facility, there are well over 2,000 men in a correctional facility. Yeah, I think that is kind of universal, isn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 yeah, it must be part of, uh, of 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 
of nature in a way that, that men are usually, uh, I don't know, more impulsive, perhaps. Um, right. Well, and, you know, there's some other factors that figure into that. Yeah, men, yeah, men tend to die more in accidental deaths than women. Oh, great. <laughs> Maybe it comes down to our, <laughs> you know, decision-making proc process where we look at things and go that's really stupid <laughs> well in, their, their last in, words are hey watch this in yeah the, in the movie <laughs> in the movie pinocchio uh yeah men uh the most of the men are are quite naive or stupid or uh weak and it's it's the fairy it's the the almost the archetype female archetype that is super wise and and good and moral and everything <laughs> so a bit of the typecasting is there yeah, if you want to know more of those statistics, you can go on to a website called The Boys Project. Um, they have some statistics on there that are kind of alarming. And hmm. um, what can we do to save our boys? And that's my little plug. I'm sorry. Go, okay. go forward. <laughs> <laughs> we'll look it up. Well, let's move to some other uh, male characters in uh, in uh, Pinocchio that are um, that are evil and that are definitely on the bad side of the law. Um, the um, honest John and his accomplice, uh, which is a cat, Gideon. I think. Yeah. Gideon the cat. Yep. They uh, lure uh, Pinocchio into uh, joining the circus, and um, don't they have a, um, an apple also uh, that they uh, use to? Uh, no, or, or no, Pinocchio has an apple, and they yeah, take and they, it. They and take it from John. Takes it and eats it, and yeah, <laughs> gives and, him back the core. Yeah. yeah. So, well, the apple, of course, uh, the symbol of of temptation. Uh, we also uh, uh, saw it in um, in uh, Snow White, uh, where the poisoned apple uh, brings uh, doom, and uh, all referring to the the story of Genesis, of course, where the the uh, Adam and Eve eat uh, fruit. Well, it doesn't say an apple in the Bible, but we kind of turn it into an apple, and so that's why the apple has become this quintessential temptation fruit. Um, they promise Pinocchio the easy road to success, uh, fame, and uh, the uh, the circus itself um, is. Uh, is 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 owned by Stromboli. Um, Stromboli is this bearded guy, very evil, evil guy. Looks very menacing, dangerous. Uh, Stromboli, by the way, in case you wonder where the name comes from, uh, Stromboli is a volcanic island of Italy. <laughs> So it uh, refers to a volcano, uh, which could refer to the uh, explosive nature of uh, Stromboli's character. Because uh, as long as Pinocchio is making lots of money, uh, he's fine. But as soon as Pinocchio uh, wants to uh, step out of that life again, he turns uh, very evil and becomes very dark. The, the, the theater, of course, is symbolic, I think, of the fake life. In this story, it definitely is opposed to... Pinocchio's true vocation to live the life of a real boy, which means a virtuous life, which means going to school, which means earning your your praise, earning uh, your money later on. In in the theater, uh, it's the easy road to success. Everybody applauds for because you can dance without strings, um, but uh, it comes way too easy. You don't have to really work for it. And uh, even though. Pinocchio sings that he has no strings anymore. He already has become uh, a slave, and uh, the strings being the symbol of 
you know, almost the chains that keep him from being a real boy. In this case, uh, he has turned into a slave and his freedom is gone uh, without him even realizing it. And then that is only uh, made made more clear when he's imprisoned in this in this cage by Stromboli and he's basically abduct, uh, abducted. And then, of course, uh, the, uh, uh, the the conscience, uh, Jiminy Cricket, is um, is not there. He, well, he looks at what happens, and then he's well. Hmm, why why does an actor need uh, a, a conscience anyway? <laughs> Again, very prophetic word. <laughs> and so he tries to stop Pinocchio. Uh, he, he tries to warn him that Honest John is dangerous, uh, but Pinocchio doesn't listen to his conscience uh, and then of course uh, the, the consequences are, are dire uh, another thing that struck me in Stromboli's theater is this show that they put on um, again that's one of the things that becomes almost a, 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 a steady ingredient of every, of every uh, Disney movie it's a dance sequence it's a show sequence and in this case we see a show in Stromboli's theater with lots of puppets that sing the same song over and over again but they do it in different versions there is a Dutch version a French version a Russian version does it ring a bell? It definitely made me think of It's a Small World. Oh, <laughs> and, okay. I was like, wait, what? Okay, yeah. <laughs> no, actually, the puppets in, in Pinocchio <laughs> look exactly like the puppets that you see in that uh, in that ride in Disneyland and Disney World. It's a small world, after all. So I think that, that that's the genesis of, uh, of the small world. Um, and then uh, the... Uh, so Jiminy Cricket sees this, the initial success of Pinocchio and he starts to doubt whether he's necessary anymore and uh, for a moment he ab he abandons his vocation. He stops you know, per per following Pinocchio um, and that too is, is something I didn't expect. You, you expect uh, you know, the good guy to be always the good guy to follow his, uh, his vocation and his mission but just as Pinoc Pinocchio loses his vocation there or, or abandons his vocation Jiminy Cricket too abandons his vocation and if your conscience is gone then you know can, can, there, be, uh, can there be any rescue? Now uh, an interesting dialogue between Stromboli and Pinocchio Stromboli, you are sensational! And Pinocchio, do you mean I'm good? You know, so Pinocchio wants to be good, but he just does not understand what good really means. And he thinks that when he's praised by Stromboli, that, you know, then he must have done something good. Uh, what he doesn't see is that Stromboli only defines good as money. Uh, you know, he's, he's almost a, uh, an archetype of, of greed. Uh, he's, he is an alcoholic. Uh, he, he's aggressive. He locks Pinocchio up in a cage, robs him of his freedom. You know, you belong to me. Um, and, and Pinocchio, for him, is not a real boy. And he even says, it's, you're just my little wooden gold mine. So he reduces Pinocchio to basically a source of income. Um, very dark analogy, I think, of, of human trafficking that is happening uh, uh, even in, in our days, where people are reduced to basically uh, economic goods and, and are being trafficked or, uh, across countries and, and sold for money. Um, it's, yeah, slavery. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so. then, of course, uh, 
once Pinocchio is really in danger and 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 is 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 locked up in his cage, uh, that's when he starts to realize that wait a second, I did something wrong and I need my conscience, and so he remembers this song that he only has to whistle. He whistles and then uh, Jiminy Cricket decides to follow Pinocchio. Um, he, he tries to free Pinocchio, but he can't. He's too small. Uh, everything looks hopeless. And uh, he, needs, he needs a miracle. Um, in the meantime, we see that Geppetto goes searching for, uh, for Pinocchio. A bit like the, you know, the father in the parable of the prodigal son. Um, Pinocchio is a, a bit like the prodigal son, you know. I, I guess I will never see my father again. And then all these prayers for a miracle, both from Geppetto and from uh, uh, Jiminy Cricket, result again in the apparition of the blue fairy. Um, and then uh, Jiminy Cricket uh, advises uh, Pinocchio to tell the truth. But Pinocchio is afraid, and he starts to lie. And that's when we see the most famous sequence in uh, in the movie Pinocchio. Yeah. His well, nose it, starts to it, grow. Yeah, his nose starts to grow when he lies. Now, it's interesting. They did research on this, and um, they found at what point do children start to learn how to lie? And they, they figure it's around age three to four because they're, they tend to lie to get out of trouble. Ah. But they... But they haven't learned how to lie to save somebody else's feelings yet. Like yeah. so or to, you know, to there are certain things they can't lie about. They don't have that social wherewithal yet. Mm-hmm. So but but if I know I'm going to get a, a spanking, I'm going to lie. But if I know it's going to make somebody else cry, it doesn't it doesn't um, function yet. That that social aspect of it doesn't function yet. Hmm. So it's not until they're about eight or nine. Can they lie to cover up feelings or lie to um, to save someone else's feelings. So we get better at lying when we grow older? Yes, we do. <laughs> and they found that more the more successful people in the world are better liars than people who are not. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I don't – there's a conundrum for you, right? <laughs> mm. Well, of course, there's the, 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 the underlying question is, is, is it ever okay to lie? Is it, you know, sometimes you yeah, to lie to get out of trouble and to not face the consequences of what you did wrong. That is, that is definitely wrong. But there are situations where, well, perhaps not lying, but you can perhaps withhold the truth in order to not hurt someone or, you know. But of course, it, it, it requires, I think, your conscience to tell you what is acceptable and what is not. <laughs> Yes. But, you know, if someone asks you, do I really look fat in these pants? Well, <laughs> hey, you lie, right? <laughs> and I, I was doing a little more research on lying, and I found that a, um, Augustine of, of Hippo wrote two books about lying. And, uh, oh, really? Yeah. The, the Augustine? St. Augustine? Uh-huh. Wow. And so St. Augustine divides lying into eight categories um, and listing in order of descending severity, here they are. So um, lies in religious teaching. So obviously that is the worst is to lie somebody about religion. Um, Lies that harm others and help no one. Mm -hmm. Lies that harm others and help someone. Mm -hmm. Lies that are told for the pleasure of lying. Lies uh, told to please others to smooth discourse. Mm, to so, embellish a story, for instance. Yeah. Um, lies that harm no one and that save someone's life. Mm-hmm. Lies that harm no one and save someone's purity. 
And then the last, the, the not so bad one is lies that harm no one and that helps someone. Oh, so that could be your, that could be your, um, you know, I guess, uh, you know, does my hair look okay? Oh, it's great. You know, yeah. <laughs> it helps them feel better about themselves. You know, that's interesting. That's very helpful to have that distinction of all these different <laughs> levels of lying. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And it, it also brings up one, one thing I've always questioned, which is lies of omission, where is it a lie if you don't tell the whole truth? And, right. You know, right. Yeah. Well, I guess in 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 a lot of situations, lives have been saved uh, by people, you know, not not telling everything, you know, like these uh, these refugees, uh, you know, in the Second World War, these Jewish refugees. Uh, um, no, I have not seen them. No, I have no idea where they are, and then they're just around a corner, you know. <laughs> in in those situations, I think that lying is not just not evil; it's you have a moral obligation to lie. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's definitely a bit more complicated than in the Pinocchio story. But of course, Pinocchio is only at the, you know, at the 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 level of of, of lying because he's afraid that he will be punished by uh, by the fairy, and and perhaps also because he doesn't want to disappoint. He knows that he has failed, and so he doesn't want to admit that, or he doesn't want to. He wants to uphold a certain self-image, probably. And then, of course, he can't. He can't. He's a bad liar, and his nose starts to grow and grow and grow. And then you've got these birds that <laughs> make their nest in the in the nose. It's it's absolutely wonderful. Um, I wonder if that actually comes from an older story that that your nose grows. If that is a like a almost a, how would you call it like an urban legend that your nose or, uh, your maybe nose a changes? proverb like yeah, you know, it Italian could be. proverb where you I know, can see it. Grows. Yeah, I can see it at you from your nose that you're lying or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so why is this plain as the nose on your face? Isn't that what they say? Mm, yeah. Isn't that what the blue fairy says? Something. Uh, yeah. A, a lie keeps growing and growing until as, is, it's as plain as the nose on your face. <laughs> yeah. Well, then, of course, uh, uh, the, the, the fairy forgives uh, uh, Pinocchio. And right. uh, it's also it's also because uh, Jiminy Cricket basically intervenes, and uh, he is he's almost um, uh, Pinocchio's advocate uh, at that moment, or or, or uh, lawyer. Um, he calls Miss Fairy even uh, Your Honor, <laughs> as if there's a real <laughs> trial going on. <laughs> and then uh, um, the fairy rubs it in even more. It's like a boy who won't do be good might just as well be made of wood. It's another one-liner. That's easy to remember. And then we go to an even darker place. You think that everything is all right now. Pinocchio <laughs> is saved. The blue fairy is come. Pinocchio is back on track. But no, we see the red lobster uh, with this uh, this very diabolical stagecoach guy who turns really into a devil at one point. Uh, very scary sequence. Even even the Honest John and his companion are, are afraid uh, because they are just merely... Let's say um, aids of of evil, um, but uh, not to the extent. I mean, this this guy is really the devil incarnate. And uh, a, a thing that struck me is that at the Red Lobster, they sing uh, what is it? An actor's life an for actor's me. Life for me. Mm -hmm. uh, made me think of a pirate's life for me from from uh, you know Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, Yo ho ho, a pirate's life for me. I don't know if it's related, but uh, it could be. Well, I'm trying to think. It's kind um, of got the same cadence, but uh, <laughs> yeah, but two different. Um, it could be, but it's two different people or two different teams of um, musicians who wrote um, yeah. 
an actor's life versus a pirate's life. So it, but they could have, the Sherman brothers for a pirate's life could have listened to Pinocchio and said, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll just change that up. Or it could just so, be like an homage or something like that. Yeah, that's true. <clears throat> so the coachman bribes the uh, honest John and his uh, companion uh, with more money, uh, gives them the order to collect stupid boys and take them to pleasure Island where they will never come back as boys. Um, very uh, frightening sequence where with uh, with Pleasure Island, the the symbolic level here is that these boys go there at first because they want to. I mean, it's 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 pleasure, it's fun, it's cool. And then what they don't realize is that there is no return. Um, so Pleasure Island itself becomes a symbol of hell, and that's why the coachman turns into a devil. Um, hell itself, and, and when, you, when you look at what hell is theologically, it's not some kind of a place where you go because you're punished. Um, it's, it's, it's something, it's, it's a state where you end up in if you continue to refuse what's good. If you refuse God's love, then the opposite of love is the absence of love. And since we're created for love, and that's the only thing that can really make us whole and fulfill us, then the absence of that love, if you refuse it, it will be hell. It will be permanent suffering. And in a way, um, Pleasure Island kind of embodies that and makes it more visual by by showing that these boys go there because they think it's cool, you know, we're going to smoke, we're going to fight, we're going to eat as much as you want. Actually, there are a lot of the 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 vices that are portrayed there. Um, and But bit by bit, they become slaves of that island and there's just no way back. Once you've given over to to evil voluntarily, you've, you've basically sold your soul and that's when they lose their human soul that's why they turn into donkeys. They turn into animals. Because what was human, what made them human, the ability to choose what's right, has, you know, they've, they've, they've uh, sent that off. They've, they've abandoned that. And so they turn into animals. Now, he, the, the coachman, uh, you know, just he uses a whip. Uh, he, he, it's, it's like he talks about uh, the, the coach leaves at midnight. So in the middle of the night, again, a symbol of darkness, of death um, at the at the crossroads and no devil's crossing, he said, which is a reference to the devil card in Tarot. You know, the the what is it? The cart, uh, the cart thing in the, the uh, anyway, it's it, it, there's a lot of. Oh, tarot. Uh, tarot. Oh, yeah, tarot. I don't know how to pronounce that, tarot. <laughs> but it's all kind of a lot of symbolism in there that refers to the devil. Uh, Pinocchio is, is first more or less abducted to Pleasure Island and uh, doesn't really have a choice there. Um, but later on, ratifies the choice. He, he, he does like to be there. Um, the carriage is pulled by the donkeys. Again, symbolism of, uh, you know, if you are evil... Uh, it's not does not only have consequences for yourself, but you will lead other people into evil as well. You become an instrument of evil. Um, and then um, he uh, he enters Pleasure Island. He befriends that other guy, and then all the cardinal vices are uh, are portrayed there. You know, smoking and be a glut, stuff yourself. It's all free. What they don't tell you is that you have to pay a price later on. Uh, pick up a fight, aggression, all that. And then, of course, by the end of the day or at the end of the night, they, t- they have all turned into donkeys. Mm-hmm. But Jiminy Cricket uh, arrives uh, and helps Pinocchio escape. 
Um, it's another symbolic moment where uh, in his escape, Pinocchio has to climb a mountain uh, and then he has to jump. Both of which I think are a symbolic of if you want to uh, escape this immoral life, you have to overcome a great obstacle. You have to really fight for it. And then you have to make a jump. You have to make a leap of faith. Um, and so that's what Pinocchio does, fortunately, uh, helped by uh, by Jiminy Cricket. And then they return home. And then you think the movie is over. You know, uh, Geppetto is there. But no, Geppetto is gone. And then a bird brings a message, very strange. Like all of a sudden there's a bird. We don't know exactly what the bird is and why he has this golden message. Almost as if it's a, the bird it's the comes... the blue fairy, actually, so... It, the, yeah, the, so the message is from the blue fairy. Mm-hmm. Okay, that explains it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they left that out. Yes, and but it's, it, 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 I think the message is signed from the oh, blue that's, fairy. Oh, that's possible. I, I, probably, yeah. I didn't know this, Dad. But uh, Pinocchio learns that Geppetto was swallowed by a whale, Monstro... He, he is at the bottom of the sea. Again, it's a symbol of death, uh, also a biblical symbol. The waters, you know, it's, it's a, it's, it represents death. Like, think of the story of the Ark of Noah, where water obliterates everything, or the, you know, the Red Sea uh, that kills the Egyptians, uh, or even, you know, the story where Jesus walks on the water as a, as a symbol of that he has conquered death, that he walks over death in a certain way. So, uh, and, and then, you know, Geppetto being at the bottom of the sea... It means he died. He, he His son died for him, basically, or disappeared. And so his his heart is has died a, a bit. Um, now, Pinocchio has, has to make another leap of faith to go to the bottom of the ocean. He, uh, he puts this big rock on his, on his, uh, his feet. This is, well, what is it? A big stone that, yeah. because yeah, otherwise it would. Tied to a rope. Yeah, tied to a rope. It's almost like a metal ball that, you know, is attached to prisoners' ankles. Right. So, but this time he chooses. He chooses it. So in, in the past, he, 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 he became a slave because of his wrongdoings. Now he almost, he carries the consequences of his, of his earlier actions. And he, car- he voluntarily carries the weight of his own sins that, that basically caused Geppetto to, uh, to, be, to be dead or to be uh, presumed dead. And then more symbolic events. The, he gets swallowed by a whale. He is reunited with Geppetto, who, who lives in this boat with uh, with the cat and the fish, isn't it funny? A fish inside a whale inside the ocean. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And um, uh, there's almost nothing to eat there. So again, a symbol of of there's no life there at the bottom of the ocean. And then Geppetto at first is of course delighted to to see uh, Pinocchio, but then he also sees his ears. Uh, the revelation, and basically these ears are the marks of the sin that he has done. Um, and what I thought was beautiful uh, of this re- reunion between uh, Geppetto and, and Pinocchio is that um, Pinocchio feels ashamed, you know, he, he shows his ears, but before he can even confess what he has done wrong and why he has those ears, Geppetto has already forgiven him. And again, I think that's that's another reference to the uh, prodigal son uh, where you know the, the the prodigal son returns home and and he has rehearsed this whole thing that he's going to 
tell his dad, you know, I'm sorry and I'm not worthy to be your son anymore. And then before he can even utter that, his father just embraces him and says, you know, I'm so glad that you're back and, and completely forgives him. Uh, I think it's beautiful. And then they get spit out of uh, spit out by the whale. Uh, Pinocchio shows his bravery by saving his father, um, and even uh, well, almost sacrifices his life. So uh, he's home, and then we see him on a bed, and it looks like Pinocchio is dying. So he saved his father by giving his own life. Which, uh, again, is quite a familiar theme if you're familiar with uh, the gospel, let's say, where where, uh, uh, Jesus Christ kind of sacrifices his life in order to save mankind and to give himself back to his father. Um, Geppetto mourns at at his bed. And then um, we are reminded of what the fairy said at the beginning of the story, and it was, what is the what is the road to becoming a real boy? Prove yourself brave, truthful, and unselfish, and one day you will be a real boy. And I think that is where uh, the, the 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 prophecy becomes true. Pinocchio has fulfilled the requirements for for becoming a real boy, and that's when he is turned into a real boy. And. Uh, and all is well. <laughs> and there's a big celebration and we get another sequence of dancing puppets and clocks uh, and, and music boxes and everything. And, uh, and then there's a, a very funny moment where Jiminy thanks the fairy and gets a medal, a golden medal with the, that says he's now an official, the official conscience. <laughs> and, and then it ends with the song, When You Wish Upon a Star. The impossible can happen if you wish or if you pray or if you believe, which is ultimately um, the the wish uh, is not really, I think, Pinocchio's wish, but it's more Geppetto's wish. He has prayed that Pinocchio would become a real boy. and And I wonder if it's his prayer ultimately and his uh, faithfulness, you know, him searching to find Pinocchio... Uh, risking his life, that that prayer was ultimately the prayer that was ended at the end of the movie, and and that that prayer carried Pinocchio through all these ordeals and 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 uh, brought him to the the end of the of the story. I don't know. It makes sense to me. Yeah, yeah. I I think you're right. Well, that was Pinocchio. Boy, uh, we've been. <laughs> talking quite a bit about this movie it just goes to show that this is a a multi-layered story Uh, it's a beautiful uh, beautiful movie I really enjoyed re-watching it several times in preparation for this episode and uh, it makes me want to watch even more Disney movies and I can't wait to uh, hear from you Deborah. what other movie we will have to study for our next episode of Secrets of Disney. We'll keep that a secret for now. We want to thank you for listening to this episode about Pinocchio. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, go over to sqpn.com to find previous episodes and future episodes of this podcast. And you can also find us on iTunes. Um, Deborah, thank you so much for all your uh, research. And Mike, thank you for all your, uh, your knowledge that you brought to the table uh, I really enjoyed this uh, this conversation and doing the show together with you all. And uh, I Thank will you. see you next time. And until then, enjoy the Disney movies and God bless.
SQPN, leading the way in Catholic new media.